What's up, what's up? It's your favorite sex and relationship coach, aka the pussy fairy, Azaria Menezes. So obviously you've landed on the juiciest podcast if you're listening to Getting Intimate. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you have a pussy or you're a mom or you're in a relationship and you're looking to increase that pleasure and orgasm factor in the bedroom with yourself, with your body or in your relationship, or maybe you just want your pussy wet and your relationships to be the cherry on top of your Sunday sex ice cream, listen to this podcast. I'll be sharing all of my knowledge, all of my ideas, my experiences, and thoughts on this podcast with you so that you can invite new perspectives and way more essential excitement into your life. As always, try anything I say on for size and see what you like and leave the rest. Let's get intimate. Welcome back to another juicy episode of Getting Intimate. So today I have a very, very special guest. We have Carla here, Carla Cravaro. She is a sex, love, and relationship coach. Y'all, this is the vibe that we want in this podcast. She works with men and women to experience delicious sex, profound love, and authentic relationships. We are cut of the same cloth and I'm loving it. Welcome, (laughs) welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Azaria, for having me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So listeners, pull up a chair because today we are talking all things monogamy to non-monogamy. We are going to talk about this topic and get really juicy with it because I know there's some of you out there that are very curious about how to transition monogamy to non-monogamy, the things that you need to know, things that you need to think about, things that you need to consider, your whys, all the things. So Carla, please share with us why you love the topic of monogamy to non-monogamy. Do you have like experience in it? Is it something that you're really passionate about? Please share with us. Yeah, so um, my husband and I are non-monogamous. So um, yeah. I know we mentioned, yeah, <laughs> I know we mentioned actually just before we started the call about labels and everything. So I try not to put a label to it, just because you know I think you can get so bogged down with the label that you limit your own experience to a situation with a label. Oh. Um, one thing that I would say though it is consensual as in the fact that both my husband and I know that we have yeah. different relationships <laughs> and different partners so just to make that really clear because <laughs> otherwise it's just cheating like yeah. <laughs> let's be real here <laughs> you know so I just wanted to make that clear that you know um there can be sort of a disagreement between whether to use the term ethical non-monogamy or consensual mm. non-monogamy yeah. Um, but obviously ethic- ethics are quite subjective, aren't they? So what one they person are. finds ethical and what another person finds ethical is completely different. So I think consensual is possibly the um, terminology that sort of, um, yeah, describes really well um, our relationship status currently. Um, yeah, so um, we have been um, officially dating separately since um, August of 2021. Um, and I actually brought the conversation to my husband in January 2021. I'd actually um, been read a, reading a book called Sex at Dawn. Oh, um, good one. Have you read? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love that book because not just because it talks about non-monogamy and sort of the science and bi- biology behind it. And, yeah. you know, 
the anthropological reasons that it makes sense that humans are actually non-monogamous in his mm. argument. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of what he said actually aligned with how I was living my life anyway. So um, with my second child, I was a lot more informed when I gave birth. So I had a natural birth in, in you know, a water pool and you know I breastfed my children and I slept in the same bed with my children so I did oh, everything oh. that yeah <laughs> so I did you know the way that I was living my life was as close to you possibly could get pre-agricultural revolution right yeah. and so reading his book which basically looks at the fact that before the agricultural revolution we were non-monogamous it just was like this makes so much sense to me and the really big thing for me was that it validated um, how I felt sometimes. So mm-hmm. I have been married since 2011. So it's 2022 now. And my husband and I had been together since 2006. Um, so between the time that we were um, dating and sort of in a relationship before we got married, there was a couple of instances where there were some men that came into my life um, who were really attractive and Mm -hmm. um, really, really great relationship material, not in the sense of that I would, could imagine um, having a relationship with them for like 30 years or something, but for a few months, you know, or a year. And at the time I just felt so much guilt and shame and all of those emotions like I was brought up Catholic and I've got southern Italian heritage so you know the conditioning that's underneath all of that yeah yeah so um yeah so I felt a lot of shame for feeling that way and then you know when I read that book and it basically says that women are naturally promiscuous and promiscuous in the sense of you know it makes sense that women actually search for different partners that it's not the men sowing their seed because they have the refractory period so they need to have a break between sex but -hmm. the fact that women can have sex with one guy after another they can have multiple orgasms we are you know the fact that we're very vocal during sex Mm -hmm. we are basically inviting one partner after another that is how (laughs) diversifying of genetics (laughs) exactly exactly and the idea is you know once you've got all of that sperm in there from all of these different men may the best sperm win yeah (laughs) the race is on (laughs) game time bitches (laughs) so yes so it just made so much sense it validated how I felt mm. and it totally removed the shame. And because I had, you know, scientific anthropological reasons as to why I would feel that way. And yeah. my husband had actually been working away for about two or three weeks at the time when I, I had, you know, pretty much finished reading the book. And, and when he came back, I was like, can we have a chat? <laughs> <laughs> it always starts with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, and I told him about the book and I told him about my experiences in Italy and, you know, and I said to him, and it's, and it's likely that you've also at times seen women and fancied them and thought, gosh, she's attractive. I wouldn't mind having something with her. Yeah. It's, it's, su- it's such a normal part of the human experience and to deny that. Well, the thing was my husband turned around and said, no, I haven't actually. 
<laughs> I'd been completely vulnerable about how I felt. And he was yeah. like, no, because I knew I couldn't look at anybody because we're mm-hmm. in a relationship. So no, it hadn't occurred to me to have the permission to do so Mm -hmm. um and you know I really respected the fact that he could turn around and say that when I had said something different yeah and we had up until that point we'd spent about a year really really working on our relationship and we had got very good at communicating being vulnerable really speaking what we felt in a very conscious way and also with a lot of self-responsibility as well um so understanding what um you know when I bring a conversation up what is mine and my childhood wounds and my conditioning that I potentially might be projecting Mm -hmm. so you know we we really sort of got to a stage in our relationship we were having very very mature conversations and um we were arguing a lot less and listening a lot more so good Um, yeah we're not perfect you know um and I always tell my clients (laughs) but it's all about awareness right and the more we we get curious about it and the more we just inquire with oh what what's coming up here like what are what are we feeling right it's the curiosity and the awareness that really brings that that flourishing and that growth in your communication so I love that yeah thank you and it, it is so much that and also um the times that we don't communicate so well we're able to own it a bit more and then we've got really good at apologizing which actually a few mm. years ago we didn't used to apologize to each other it would be a lot of finger pointing mm, been there <laughs> some <laughs> days I'm still in that mood like in my head I'm like doing it you know when you put them in the fork jail like, people? Yeah. <laughs> accountability is an incredibly humbling jewel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I brought the conversation to him and he's like, so what, what, what do you want to do then? What, what does it look like for you? And I said, to be honest with you, I really don't know. I I didn't want to come with any expectations because I wanted to, you know, there's no point in me imagining different scenarios until I know if it's even possible. So we decided to go away, do our own research and have a a think of what, non-monogamy could look like for us and you know if your listeners aren't too sure of how non-monogamy can look I'll just give them a few examples so please (laughs) so it could be swinging which means that as a couple you go to meet another couple and exchange partners or you know have group sex or go to parties um, and exchange partners or group sex Um, it can look like dating separately so, you know, for example, my husband goes and dates somebody and has his own separate relationship with that person. And I date somebody and have my own separate relationship with that person. You can invite people into your own relationship. So we could potentially invite, um, you know, a woman that we both date or a woman that just my husband dates, but we live together, the three of us or a man that I, you know, just see and lives with us. Um, but my husband doesn't see um it can be um yeah just casual sexual encounters separately you know the 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 possibilities are options (laughs) and that's a beautiful thing about it right because it just opens the door 
to another idea of like, wow, I don't have to fit myself in a box. And there's so many options out there. And what does it look like for me to explore some of those ideas? And even just talking about it, right? Even if it's not something that you're thinking of, having that conversation can be so powerful to really just show us like, what's there? What's that thing underneath of there? And why am I feeling like that? Right. So, so powerful. Yeah. And the conversations. Um, yeah. I, I, and our sex life really, really improved a lot. I think one, because obviously it was quite sexy talking about all the different scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> and then two, because obviously our communication was getting even better. We were taking even more responsibility because, Absolutely. you know, we had to explore situations like jealousy, yes. um, you know, and, um, you know, how we might deal with different things like um, contraception or um, so not just for myself, but, you know, him ensuring that when he's with somebody else, do we want, a, a, you know, the risk of another partner having a child? Would we want that? What if another partner wants it? So we, you know, we looked at and discussed so many different potential problems in inverted mm-hmm. commas that can, ar- that can arise from a dynamic that's slightly different to the dynamic that we had at that time um, and even though yeah and even though I said you know jealousy um I think anyway m- people that are monogamous get jealous so uh, anyone can it's it's just a, an emotion that we're feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that we jealousy can come up when we when we desire something or something inside of us is wanting something but not allowing it right or something that we see and it's like oh wow I wish I wish I had that for myself right it's it's such a it's such a like versatile emotion and I think a lot of us just like to categorize it as like ooh, because because it can awaken some sensations in your body that just don't feel that great right and there there's a lot to unpack when it comes to monogamy and jealousy and there's a lot to decolonize there as well right so yeah for sure and you know understanding you know in a monogamous relationship what the jealousy is why it's there what the fear is you know what that underlying fear is is it that I'm not good enough is it that I might be abandoned you know um and just working with that and ensuring that you know the partner that you're with is feeling secure even though it's not your full responsibility but you know behavior and speaking in a way that creates the container for them to be able to experience security as well right kind of practicing that deep care as well because it's your it's your partner (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and then with the non-monogamy you know it's actually the same thing um you know and ensuring that they feel that the container is there for them to be able to express their jealousy but without so say, for example, if my husband was to feel jealous without me feeling like I need to in any way um, fix him or mm-hmm. change anything, but just right. witnessing and holding space but for that emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that a lot of the times when it comes to non-monogamy, I think people don't realize how much more you have to communicate because there's so many more opportunities for different topics to come up and surface. And so with monogamy, sometimes there isn't, I mean, there can be a lot of opportunity to talk about it, but you, you aren't in that specific situation. So it really requires such 
deep holding and communication and presence. And there's, there's a lot of communication dynamic that happens in there. And I think people just don't realize it. They're like, oh, great. I get to do what I want. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think a lot of people have that sort of idea that people that have gone into non-monogamy have done so sort of almost um, without any thought and just dived in. And yeah, like anything, there will be people like that. There are people that dive into monogamy and a serial monogamous, you know, go from one relationship to another without really sort of too much conscious awareness of what they're doing and how they're treating other people. So, you know, with non-monogamy, of course, obviously there's the opportunity there to explore all of those um, different dynamics. So, um, and what was really interesting as we were having our conversations and we keep coming back to the different ways that we could um, experience non-monogamy, there was a point actually in which my husband said, you know, Carla, I would really like to see you with another man. And I was like, well, in the set, yeah. uh, uh, And I was like, in the same room. And he said, yes. And I said, my concern in that situation would be if it's just me and another man and, and you just watching and you're not involved with another woman would be that if I'm having having lots of fun mm-hmm. um that you know I, if, if I'm having sex I want to have fun while I'm, while I'm having sex and I want to be completely in the experience absolutely we do because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise the pleasure is fun too <laughs> <laughs> so so while I'm having sex, you know, I want to be fully in the moment, having mm. fun and not being in my head, worrying about what you're thinking. I don't want to be worrying that, you know, is he thinking that I'm, I wonder if she's enjoying it more than she does with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, is this memory creating a core memory and imprinting in his brain forever? Yeah, that was, that was a true yeah. concern. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when I voiced this to him, he said, and this was like, oh, my God, he, he totally gets what self-responsibility means. He said, you know, what I experience watching you is my responsibility. It's not yours. So mm. you're not the one to, that needs to hold space for that. And I was just like, yeah, he finally, <laughs> yeah, he's got it. Yeah. And that's a really big thing to admit yeah. that seeing oh. somebody else with your partner and how you are experiencing that internally is your responsibility and the fact that he owned that it was just so powerful uh, yeah yeah, it was it was it did stop me attaching that meaning of like making your experience mean something about him it's like no this is what I'm experiencing it didn't stop me from still being in my head about it (laughs) of course we're humans and like the first like the first couple of times we do that, right? But it's also, we're also just exploring something new. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I said to him, this is something to come back to. I'm not sure if I can jump into that immediately, but, you know, let's keep it sort of there and open. So fast forwarding to, um, yeah, August 2021, and we decided to, um, to start dating separately. And we tend to use the um, app called field I don't know if you know that one no so um the apps like tinder and bumble and sort of the more mainstream ones they don't give you the opportunity to actually say that you're non-monogamous um and a lot of people like a given if you're on the app if you're if if you're on field Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so field is for people that are non-monogamous. It's also used for hookups. It's used for couples looking for couples. 
Ooh. it's used for couples looking for a third mm. so so yes you get a whole variety which is good because obviously you know it's like oh okay how do I want to explore my non-monogamy so you just sort of like yeah like a buffet in front of you almost <laughs> you all love a good buffet <laughs> 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 in like the most healthy conscious way obviously <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so the, the great thing was obviously what which direction do I want to go in um and it was really interesting so um and it took me a while to understand what I wanted and it took me a while to understand how to actually do online dating yeah um, <laughs> So, but I think, you know, my background and my training as a sex of a relationship coach really helped me to like hone in and, and observe things almost from like, um, like, a, yeah, a meta vision of the situation as well. Um, initially, when I first got on the app, I was getting men immediately texting me about mm. sex. And I was like, okay, this to my nervous system just feels yeah. really invasive and just a mm-hmm. bit too much. And also I get the odd dick pic as well, which, oh. <laughs> yeah, unsolicited. Um, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you can't escape the dick pics anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, I just like that, you know, I needed a, a certain element of connection first you know, <laughs> before we get straight Fair. into it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got really good at my profile and I started to attract um, men who were more interested in getting to know me first who were mm. curious yeah. about the person that I was and I invited that on my profile you know um, and I said it I went looking for someone who's going to get curious about the person that they're dating so you, you know you can't get more um, precise um, than that yeah. and it was really interesting doing the whole dating thing actually um, so do you know much about the attachment style yeah you, yeah, yeah. So I would consider myself consciously secure from an anxious attachment style. Yeah. And I was like, I've been consciously secure with my husband now for years. And, you know, I dealt with some friends that had not been good for me and, you know, really placed boundaries and, and had a big sort of like turnout and, and, and removal of people in my life that weren't good for me from an anxious attachment point of view that I was chasing and, and then the dating starts and it shows up and I'm like, oh my God, I thought I had dealt with all of this. <laughs> Isn't that always how it works? Like we yeah. think we have our shit together yeah. until there's other elements and we're like, oh, oh, okay. Where are the notes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought I filed this in things I've already done. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> It, it was exactly like that and it was um it was a real surprise because um yeah I just wasn't expecting it and I just thought to myself you know actually non-monogamy is giving me the opportunity to really step into my growth because yeah. it's bringing up things that had I just stayed monogamous I wouldn't have had to deal with again mm, and what an incredible opportunity for growth and expansion in that right oh yes um, and there was um, a situation in particular with um, a guy and um, he had, so we were going to be meeting on the Saturday and he sent me a text message the Friday night before saying, I'm going out to just double check in that we're still meeting tomorrow because I'm going out to the pub with my mates. And immediately my body took me back to my 20s 
And in my 20s, having the anxious attachment style I did, you know, I would attract boyfriends that would say they were going to come and meet me at six o'clock in the evening. And, you know, they play soccer or Mm. cricket with their, because I'm in the UK, with their um, friends, have a drink afterwards. And then they wouldn't show up at my house until like two or three hours later expecting sex. And I'd be like, okay, yes. And I'd give it to them because I think, well, if I do, maybe next time they'll come sooner because they'll want the sex and they won't get drunk with the mates. And, you know, that's how I was thinking at the time. Yeah. Um, So when he said to me about the pub, I was just like, oh, God, you know. (sighs) Just having like a whole flashback. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought, I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, um, or he's going to choose his friends over me, like used to happen in my twenties that I wasn't considered important enough or considered Mm -hmm. or, you know, and, um, and it really, really upset me. And my husband, I told him what happened and I had a massive cry and he held me and he really supported me as I processed it. So powerful. Yeah. And, um, and then I said to him, you know what, if he sends me a message tomorrow that he's hungover, that he um, is going to be late, any sort of excuse, that's it. I'm just going to say no, and I'm not going to say no excuses. You know, I'm not going to give him any chances or anything. I'm not doing this. I'm making the decision that I'm breaking the cycle. I'm not having it anymore. And as it turns out, he sent me a text message the next day saying, I'm just about to leave. I'll be there at, you know, 10 o'clock, which was the time that we arranged. And I was okay. like, yes, I got chosen. <laughs> and I had made the decision that had I not been, then yeah. I would break the cycle. So you already like, chose yourself the night before. Like you chose yourself. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yes, yes, I did. I really did choose myself. Yeah. Thank you for using those words. And it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was a choice for, for me, for self-love my boundaries and, you know, how I wanted to be treated moving forward. So, um, so yeah, so this journey that we're on currently is, is allowing those elements of growth to come up. It's been, um, yeah, it's been fascinating. Wow. That is so incredible. I love this so much. So I'm curious, are you both on dating apps? Like, how's it going fast forward to kind of now? How are you, how are you both feeling about it? How, what are, what are some things that come up? What's feeling really good? So um, I have been on quite a few dates. It's a lot easier for women in in non-monogamous situations. So on field, for example, there are a large amount of men on there and a lot less women. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I know. So, um, and I'm speaking to some of the men that are on there that also on places like Tinder and Bumble. So I think what they do is they look for possibly something long-term and in the meantime, they're on field for a bit of fun. Right, right. Okay. Oh, wow. There's a whole strategy behind that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, whereas, you know, a lot of women tend to sort of make the decision one way or the other, like they tend to, to, okay, I'm actively looking for a partner or... I am not wanting a partner at all and I'm just out for some fun or I am non-monogamous and I'm looking for a partner but it needs to be somebody who's um, non-monogamous also and looking for a partner so that really reduces the um, pull for women so you know my husband's been on the odd date 
um, reasonably successful in the sense that, you know, he got on really, really well with them. Um, but not, not too much has really sort of progressed from that. Um, I've been on quite a few more dates. And also I'm a lot more proactive than he is. So he'll go on the apps for a bit, have a look around, ha- exchange conversations with people. Um, and, you know, whereas I'm a lot more sort of, okay, let's organize a Zoom chat. Yeah, you know, get to know each other on Zoom. Just double check that you are who you say you are, because sometimes yeah. people. True, that's actually a good good idea to kind of vet them on Zoom before. Thank yeah. the pandemic for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's got a Zoom account now. So yeah, double check who they are on Zoom. Get you know. Also, I think you get a lot more of an idea of the person as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great dating tip for anyone out there listening, y'all. Did you hear that? Get the Zoom date before you even go on a real person date. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it just means that I get to see who they are, how they behave and how they react in the moment. Because sometimes when people have time to think about a reply, how mm-hmm. they might reply is different to how they might actually react in a, in a you know, in the moment situation. Right. And sometimes um, people just might be writers and then they don't chat a lot. My husband's like that. I'm like oh, wow, <laughs> you're real quiet, <laughs> even though yeah, I'm reading all these love letters. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that's really sweet. That um, Yeah, but there'll be some men that I don't even do like the whole love letter thing. They're reasonably quiet and you think maybe they're just not very good at mm. writing. Yeah. But then if you get to speak to them as well and they're really, you know, it's like strained, like pulling teeth almost yeah. trying to get a conversation. That's already just sucked all the energy out of my body. The, my pussy is as dry as the Sahara Desert. We're not doing that today. Like, oh, gosh. Exactly. <laughs> That's not what we opened our relationship for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want something that's going to give me something more yeah. rather than, yeah, take my energy and time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but yeah, I've got, you know, as I was saying just a moment ago, I've got really good at uh, all of that dating process now and I have my own way of doing things and actually I'm having a break at the moment I'm doing extra studies and I've got loads going on and I've already got you know um some men that I'm currently like chatting to that I've seen once or twice already um so I just I'm thinking God, you know I need to come off and it can get almost a bit addictive as well you know being on there and being liked because there are a lot more men than there are women yeah, it's really quite so good for possible. your ego yeah yeah. So, so yeah, so come in um at the moment having um a break from the myself having a break from the dating. My husband is he's still on field because he's exploring opportunities with other couples. Right. So um so yeah, so we've come to the idea now that that's something that we'd like to to try that we feel that we've got to a place where I feel comfortable in in experiencing that and finding a couple that is quite conscious as well in their own um approach to mm-hmm. sexuality and to sex itself yeah that makes so much sense finding finding folks who just have similar values and so that you can really connect on that and just like yeah absolutely so is it is it a couple for both both or a couple what's the couple situation <laughs> <laughs> so it's finding a couple that we can initially meet for sort of like a date so a male and a female and then um you know, if the date works well, then spend time together as a, as a foursome. And obviously Ooh. depends on what, 
yeah, depending on what the couple themselves want would depend, their boundaries would depend on, on what we do between the four of us. Because obviously each couple tends to uh, approach things in a really different way. So, yeah, um, yeah, so some couples have like rules about what people, what their partner is and isn't allowed to do. Right. Our approach has been quite different. So rather than having rules, we have our own boundaries um, Mm -hmm. of what we will and won't allow with regards to how we want to be treated ourselves and where our commitments lie. Because you've got two children, Mm -hmm. so eight and four years old. We need to make make sure that um, whatever we do, that they aren't sort of, that the boat's not rocked too much for them that they're supported there they are our priority so you know if um if they're not well and say for example they're not well and I'm working in the evening and my husband was going to organize a date or something then you know the priority is that the children would be supported and you know um and uh, during the illness so we've made those sorts of agreements let's say but I don't say him you can date that person but not that one right 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 so the agreements are kind of structured around like we just want to make sure that everything runs smoothly from like a logistical point of view and honors and respects the kind of home life dynamic that is like the the base and then from there on you can do you with that intention yeah exactly obviously you know there's that that whole communication (laughs) still that you know, if I want to go out and stay out the night, for example, that I don't just book it, I need to obviously check that he's right. available to to stay with the children because someone yeah. needs to stay with them. I mean, we both do normally, we, we live together. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going somewhere else, it's not fair for me to just assume that I can go. So I need to check in with him that he's okay as well. And also, right. you know, if, if, if there's been lots of times that I've been going out, because there was a period just after Christmas where I was out quite a lot and Right. And that's one of the reasons that I'm having a break as well at the moment, just because I found myself sort of one weekend after the other away. And I thought, actually, I need to come back mm. to my family, spend some time with my children. Yeah. Um, yeah, so decided to do that. I love this. OK, so I'm a mom as well. And I'm so curious how this works with like family dynamics. So the only time that I have experienced non-monogamy was before I had my daughter. And I'm just curious, like, how do you actually have, I guess it's different for everyone, their rules, but like, how do you do that when it comes to integrating kids and partners coming over or new potential partners coming over? What, what does that look like for you right now at this moment? Cause obviously things can change and grow and evolve, but like, what does that look like for you? Um, we don't have partners come over um, just because obviously it's difficult to explain to the boys. We aren't hiding anything from them, but it just it makes things a little bit more complicated. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> we've talked about different relationships and how different relationships work and that, you know, people will have like, you know, more than one dad or more than one oh. mom and that, you know, you get families where the parents, don't live together and sometimes the children might live with their grandparents so and and we've talked about the fact that you know people live together as groups and so we've talked about all of the different dynamics so they're aware of all of those um and I think it's really important for them to be aware of that we haven't exposed them just yet just because we're right at the beginning ourselves so it's important for us to figure everything out 
Um, yeah, um, we haven't really come up against any problem, you know, serious problems or any bumps, but we just want to, you know, rather than rushing into anything, mm-hmm. um, just give everybody some some space, time to figure things out before we actually turn around to to the kids and say, this is what, <laughs> what we do and how we do it. Yeah. Every, every, all the parents at school know. What's the tea on that one? Is there like specific moments? Was there like a family group chat going on? They're like, what happened? So because um, I support people transitioning from um, monogamy to non-monogamy. Right. Um, I needed to let my parents know that um, that this is what we were going to be right. for. So I told my parents, um, and I'm really good at boundaries. And I said to them, um, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not asking for advice and I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm just letting you know in case you find out off anybody else. Yeah. And then I said that, you know, we're opening up our relationship. Um, um, they didn't understand what that meant. So we had to go into a bit more detail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and you know they didn't really say anything and yeah they've they've not really brought it up since so um my husband's parents we did exactly the same thing and they were really curious and you know asked lots of questions and were quite interested from an intellectual perspective rather than do you think you should be doing this right so, right right it's <laughs> kind so of they were really practical curiosity sense yeah exactly so because obviously I was wanted people to be aware that I can also support them in the transition I have to let people know so I was interviewed on um, YouTube by a colleague and I shared that on my um, private personal social media on Facebook so obviously the parents from school saw that Ooh, you are (laughs) the mom with the tea I love that like That's like the most exciting mom at the school. <laughs> they're secretly going to be like, oh, but then they're going to come to you in the chat and be like, so what's this whole monogamy thing about? That's amazing. I love it so much. Oh, this has been so amazing to chat about. I think there's so many incredible insights. I guess my question for you is what would you share with somebody in a relationship and maybe this couple is considering opening up their relationship? What are some things that they need to think about? Like what are some things that they need to be aware of or ask themselves before this transition or before opening up and exploring what it means to go the whole non-monogamy route? Um, I think the very first thing that they need to do is understand what their reasons are for actually exploring non-monogamy. Just because I've had um, a couple of experiences with clients. So one woman had been cheating on her partner Mm. and wanted to go non-monogamous. And it was important for us to explore what the reason was for the cheating. Yeah. So because sometimes we can unconsciously put ourselves in patterns where we're self-sabotaging our relationships because there's a part of us that doesn't feel worthy enough to to, to actually have a relationship and somebody love us. So, you know, it's important to explore that. I've had um, another person come to me because she wasn't getting her needs met sexually. Mm. Um, So she was looking at possibly having her needs met sexually um, with somebody else, you know, um, via non-monogamy. So, you know, exploring communication there and exploring a way maybe to understand how that they can bring the conversation and touch back into their relationship. 
and then decide if it's something that they you know that she wants to continue moving forward with so it really really depends um on on each individual but definitely taking a look at what are the real reasons and that can be quite difficult to be honest with yourself and say actually I'm avoiding a problem already in my relationship Mm, yes yes absolutely because it's not going to go away it's kind of if it's something like that it can it can show up in so many different ways in the way that you relate right and even if you do have a pattern of ooh, there's been some cheating going on it could even be like trying to fit into a construct that doesn't actually work for you. And also there could be so many other reasons. So I love that you suggest, you know, checking in with yourself and like, hmm, what are actually the reasons behind this desire? What is my why? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, throughout the whole process, rather than jumping in immediately in mm. the way that my husband and I did, having a look at different scenarios, how you might feel about different situations, where your own discomfort is and being really honest about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing to be aware of is that of the relationships that are opened up, two thirds of them are actually initially initiated by women. Mm. Wow. So that's a, wow. I love that for women. <laughs> love that for us. <laughs> And I want to give you another statistic, okay, another study, sorry, rather statistic, 18 months to two years into a relationship, a long-term relationship, women get bored of sex. Mm. So it's important to recognize, (laughs) you know, so could it actually be that you need to explore something sexually in your relationship first before moving on to Um, non-monogamy and yeah, so there's just like a whole melting pot of things to to sort of be aware of. I think a lot of people have the idea that it's um, men that want the whole non-monogamy. Yeah. yeah but absolutely. I find actually that a lot of men tend to be a lot more jealous um, mm-hmm. of their partners and what their partners do. They tend to be the ones that put rules on things. So you'll yeah. come across a lot of couples, for example, that are looking for somebody to play with. Right. And it has to be a woman. <laughs> yeah and you know I've seen so, that scenario so many times yeah like they they won't have like a man just playing with with a woman so yeah so it's it's important to explore mm. all of those different things and, and imagine different scenarios and, and have conversations around them and, and be really really vulnerable about it as well yeah. you know understanding that it's normal that you might feel jealousy or discomfort around something and just being really really honest about it and Mm. I think having those vulnerable conversations enables really good communication and it creates a deeper intimacy from having those deeper conversations absolutely because you're it's like that that vulnerability when you see somebody vulnerable or when you're vulnerable it really creates the opportunity for you to see them and see them in their truth and it's like oh okay I can understand you a little bit more. And that, that, that does create a deeper bond. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, with that deeper bond, actually, mm. the sex gets better as mm. well, because you're able yes. to fully drop in yes. and surrender and allow them emotions to flow because you're not holding anything back because you yeah. know that you can communicate and be seen. So in your sexual experience, you can fully let go and be seen in that experience as well. 
Yes. And fully beheld. I think so much of the questions I have around sexuality, it's like women, like feeling like they just want to be held by their partner. And so much of that actually is emotional, not physical, right? It's, it's how, how much can I be held in this in my trust and my vulnerability and my safety, right? And so the more we create that vulnerability and we bond through that, the deeper we can just let ourselves be seen and see our partners as well. Yes. And we got, we got a study that showed that after 18 months to two years, you know, women get bored of sex and start looking for new ways of, of, of bringing in entertainment. A lot of it is for that reason. So they mm-hmm. go into a, they go into a sexual relationship. It's new. There's lots of fun. Yeah. And then obviously you get to a certain point where you feel like you need more. There's something, mm-hmm. you know, that there's an experience greater than yourself that you can have, but you just like, yeah but I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> and what that is, what you are actually searching for is a man that can hold himself and the container so yeah. that you can fully surrender and let go and be seen so deeply for who you mm. are so authentically. Yes, exactly. It's that, it's that intimacy, that deeper, deeper intimacy in being held. It's almost like it's actually an opportunity, uh, like a new level in your relationship. And a lot of, a lot of the times it can just be mistaken for, Hmm, I wonder what else is out there. (laughs) And there's so many different ways of exploring it, right? Because maybe it is that. And also it's, it's also an invitation to see how you want to go deeper and what that looks like could now include non-monogamy and I love it. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for your incredible wisdom on the podcast today. I feel like this is a very juicy one for all the listeners. Where can we find you if we want to chat about all things monogamy to non-monogamy? Like how do our listeners find you? Um, so, um, I have my website, which is, um, www.carlacrivaro.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram a little bit less just because of censorship and I've had a couple of shadow oh. bands, so <laughs> I don't post too much on there anymore. Um, but at the dot sexuality dot sanctuary. And then I also have like a women's empowerment as well, which is at the dot sister dot sanctuary. Amazing. I will drop everything in the show notes below so you can make sure to hit Carla up for all of those things. Thank you so much for being here today. And that's a wrap on another episode of Getting Intimate. I hope you got exactly what you needed today in this podcast and that you can find more ways to bring more juicy connection to yourself, your relationships, your body, and your sexuality. I hope you're feeling inspired and I want you to remember, take what feels really yummy and ditch the rest. Everything I'm offering on this podcast is in service of your greatest pleasure and thriving. And as the Pussy Fairy, it's my duty to bring you more exquisite pleasure. If you want to get in touch, come find me on my website at www.azariamenezes.com and I have tons of ways you can work with me. You can say hi or you can even ask a question. I would be so happy to hear from you. You can also subscribe to my email for a juicy gift and come find me on Instagram at azaria.menezes. Either way, I'm sending you all the juicy vibes for your week ahead.